0: This week on the Dylan & Dylan Show, Zach Fleener, Basketball Operations Associate for the NBA G League's Lakeland Magic, sits down with the guys to talk about his time at Lipscomb as well as his time working in the NBA. Guess who is back as the guys try to guess from the first team All-Americans from the past 20 years. Q&A covers this year's NCAA bracket and the problems with the seeding as well as facing a Power 5 team in a mid-major in a tournament. This Week in Sports covers everything coming back. Baseball, Tom Brady, and March Madness. The guys conclude with their upset picks in the tourney, as well as their Final Four and National Championship picks. Welcome back to the Dylan Dylan show excited to have you back along for a special it's back edition of the show with baseball Tom Brady March Madness all making the return and primed up to have us ready to talk about an amazing show amazing group of topics and a fun group of topics Dylan Jesperson here back here with you in a new location coming from you from the great state of South Dakota in my new place Uh, Dylan back into Kentucky for today's show Dylan how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Uh, the last time we sat here and talked on the show, not for the March Madness special, I was kind of like in the middle. Like I had COVID, everything was weird. Murray State just won the OVC, But I was like, Ah, Tennessee probably won't get it done. In the SEC, the SEC, so good. And then Tennessee just went on a magical run where they were just like, We're not gonna lose. And it was really, really cool to watch. Uh, texting my dad during that game, which my dad's followed uh, UT since he was born, like forty miles away from campus. He was like this is something else. They haven't won this tournament since I was seven years old. And it was kind of like that, like realization. I was like, wow, that's a long time ago. My dad's old. And I like really maybe like, meant something to me. I was like, I'm going to cherish this. And I guess that's when I was like, oh, wow. They haven't won it while I've been alive. This is the first time seeing have seen this. It was, it was really, really special. I remember talking with a lot of my family on my mom's side the day before uh, watching the Kentucky-Tennessee game because they're all Kentucky fans as we're here in Kentucky. And I was like, Tennessee doesn't win. I was like, Tennessee had the huge lead. And I was like, they're going to blow it. This is what Tennessee does. I was like, they don't win. And then they did. And I was like, hey, maybe they've got a shot. And that yeah. special feeling uh that feeling of winning a title like that's just something I've never felt in my life for the Tennessee volunteer basketball team winning the SEC uh and it, I feel like it's set to a special run and we're gonna get into seeding and stuff later because I have a lot to say about it with ex- specifically with what happened to Tennessee but it's just a lot of fun stuff going on and I'm excited to get into it and excited for a really really fun show uh how are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here. Excited to get into an awesome show. A lot of stuff to get into. Yeah, with the... uh, I know that feeling of, you know, the first time you make that run in your conference tournament, especially with the way Michigan was when I was growing up. It didn't really ever really seem feasible for michigan to make a run in the big 10 tournament so the first time they did under john b line it was yeah it's it's one of those weird things where you're like okay now my program is here we've actually done something and you can't take that away from us regardless of what happens in the tournament so uh happy to be here happy to get into it uh to follow the tunnel vision sports network wherever you get your podcasts and remember if you like what you hear a nice rating and review always helps us reach more people today we get started with a return to interviews zach Fleener Basketball Operations Associate for the NBAG Leagues. Lakeland Magic was kind enough to sit down with us. Let's jump right into it. All right. It's time for another interview, guys. We are excited to have a close friend of Dylan Holtz, but a close friend of the podcast. We've got Zach Fleener, the uh, Basketball Operations Associate for the NBAG Leagues. Lakeland Magic. Zach, how are you doing today?
2: Doing great uh, here in uh, Portland, Maine for the first time. Uh, it's cold. It looks like Maine. There's trees and stuff. So it's good. It's cool. I've never
1: been to Maine and I don't have like any plans to go there, but you describing it, it makes me like a little bit more. I'm just like curious about it now.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I hadn't planned on coming <laughs> here either. Uh, I was shocked when the, the the connecting flight that we were on was full. I was shocked that that many people were trying to go to Maine, but um, yeah, it's, it's cool, I guess it's
1: it's the um it's new england it's there's a lot of people up there they're always making flights they're busy people uh how are you doing (laughs) i haven't talked to you in a while
2: i know bro i'm doing great uh living in lakeland florida working for the lakeland magic um living in florida is cool it's warm um doing basketball stuff like this has been something i've wanted to do since i was young um so this has been great getting to do the g league is awesome man like it obviously like it's not something that I like a ton of people watch a lot of like in their free time because there's other basketball options but like getting into it has been a blast the opportunities that I have on staff and as well as our players and everybody on our staff to grow um, because of the limited staff numbers but we still get um, we get to do things the NBA staffs do and we get to learn from our NBA staff we get to learn from our NBA front office and then try to translate that and and build a uh, organization in Lakeland that um, resembles the NBA, an NBA organization. So it's been great for me to learn so many different things from literally doing a lot of my job is laundry, pick up players, um, set up practice, that kind of stuff, but also just getting to help with scouts, help with the coaching stuff, um, learn about all the other teams and personnel for them, and just lots of different things I'm going to do. It's been, it's been really hard and difficult in a lot of hours, but it's been great for me to grow. So I'm doing great. I'm enjoying enjoy what I'm doing. So.
1: That's awesome to hear. And I, I've known you since high school, whenever it is you came to Murray, I've known you. Um, mm-hmm. And just knowing the type of person you are, I feel like anyone that like knew, they knew you would end up being associated in some way with basketball, whether it was coaching high <laughs> school, like your dad, or just somehow you'd be working in basketball. So it just makes so much sense. I remember when
2: I, yeah, bro, I, yeah love
1: it. I, I remember when I saw you posted it on, it was Instagram or something that you were associated with the Lakeland magic. And I was like, yep, that, that just makes so much sense. Like,
2: yeah.
1: Um, before <laughs> we get that. into the Lakeland stuff, cause I know Dylan has a lot of questions. I got to talk about Lipscomb because that's the, that's the reason I wanted to get you on here because you play at Lipscomb and uh, you guys had a lot of March success, and it's not just with the NCAA tournament. It's about the NIT. But I want to start with the NCAA tournament. What was that like, yep. being the 15 oh, seed, right, going against yep. two seed North Carolina? What was that like? That experience.
2: Well, first of all, I'll start with the we won the ASUN. We had to win the ASUN to get into the to get in the NCAA tournament. We beat Florida Gulf Coast in the championship. They were really good that year. They had Brandon Goodwin, um, who has played with the Hawks for a bit. I don't know who he's with now. He's with the Bulls on uh, the night. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. He's been playing well. I mean, he's gotten multiple NBA contracts. Um, they had Zach Johnson, who ended up transferring to Oklahoma State the next year. They're a really good team. And we went and beat them in Fort Myers, Florida at, you know, in the A-Sun, you go home and home for for conference tournament. So there's no real neutral site. So those wins are brutal when you got to go to the other team's arena. And so we went and played them down there. we were up 32 at halftime. we were up 32 points. And me and the other walk-on, or we didn't play much. And and we're sitting there, you know, in the locker room at halftime, bro, we're about to go in in the second half, like in the conference tournament. Like we're on ESPN, we're about to go in. And they came all the way back and got it to like one point um, in the second half. And we ended up winning by four. But it was one of the craziest games I've ever ever been a part of. But we won that, thankfully, and then got drawn against North Carolina in Charlotte, North Carolina. So um, went and played against North Carolina in Charlotte. I mean, for me – you asked how it felt like I didn't play during the, the important minutes of the game. I played some garbage time, but the, in terms of just being there and warming up, like warming up and looking, seeing all the people in the arena, obviously seeing all the CBS stuff, seeing Jim Nance, like over there preparing to like call our game, seeing, you know, North Carolina with their checkerboard, like, you know, side panels and seeing Roy Williams was just like, as a basketball fan, bro, like, come on, it was crazy. Like, I've always grown up a huge basketball fan. And some of the some of the players that play at that level aren't huge basketball fans. But growing up as a huge basketball fan, just being in that moment was like amazing. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, so, yeah, it was it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. And the added um, wrinkle of you being a UK fan, like a hard UK fan getting matched up with North yeah. Carolina. Oh, I can only imagine you are just like, man, we got to be the Cinderella. We got to beat North Carolina.
2: Bro, the year before, I was in Memphis uh, with my family watching UK and North Carolina in the Elite Eight, watching freaking Luke May hit that stupid shot uh, to beat that, which they were really good, but Kentucky was really good that year, too. I think those are the two best teams. Kentucky had Fox and um, Monk and Bam, and North Carolina was really good. It was just a really good game in Memphis, and so losing that game, and then literally the next year, I could have never imagined that we were playing against them in the tournament. Yeah, that's insane. It was, it was like
1: Luke May and like Cameron Johnson.
2: Yeah, Luke May, Cameron Johnson. And then we played the team. It was like Joel Berry, Luke May. Cameron Johnson was on the team. Um, I'm trying to think who else. But they ended up losing the next round to uh, Texas A&M. Okay, yeah. And,
1: was Seventh Woods so. on that team? Yeah, yeah Seventh Woods. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> I thought he
2: was. I was guarding – when I when I came in in garbage time, I was guarding Seventh How Woods. How cool was that? So. He's like a I legend.
1: Mean, I guess it, I get he's a YouTube yeah, legend, exactly. So when
2: we we're a little, when we we're a little in <laughs> yeah. that game was seventh grade, tape, and he's like dunking all everybody. Yeah. yeah, He's iconic, yeah, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> That's really Definitely. cool. Um, so
1: you had the NCAA tournament game against North Carolina, which is awesome. I remember like tuning into that game specifically because I was like, Zach plays for Lipscomb. I'm like, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be a good game, but you never know. Um, and then the next year, you guys did make the NCAA tournament, but you did make the NIT. And you guys mm-hmm. went on a magical run. And I do remember turn, mm-hmm. tuning into, like, every game. And I was like, this is awesome. Garrison Matthews just mm-hmm. keeps going off. And obviously, Eli Pepper, yep. the local connection to Western Kentucky, just yep. you guys just going on a tear. Talk about that run.
2: Yeah, so we were actually much better. We were a much better team that second year than we were the first year. We, we didn't add a ton. We added um, a couple freshmen that entered the rotation. But – ultimately, we just all got better. Gary got better. We got closer as a team and just kind of figured out exactly what we wanted to do. We had six seniors. Um, and I, counting me as as a six is we really had five that were playing. But um, those five guys that had played together for two, three, four years and really like wanted to just keep playing like that was our goal in the NIT. Like obviously, you don't want to make the, you know, nobody. We were the first team out of the NCAA tournament from getting an automatic bid. We lost one game at Florida Gulf Coast in the conference that if we would have won that we would have been an automatic bid so that hurt being the first team out and obviously like being the first team out and we had played in the NCAA tournament the year before we were like this is stupid like none of us wanted to be in the NIT that first practice like for the NIT was one of the worst practices we've had of the year <laughs> like nobody wanted to be there and honestly like none of us even wanted to be there until we got to Davidson the first game um at like halftime like it was just a good game and we all like kind of got in the locker room and we were like you know, like, we might as well just win this. Like, we might as well just see if we can win this. And then after we won that game, it was – it just became a thing of, like, we just wanted to see how many games we could keep playing together because it was just a lot of guys that were never going to play together again. So, um, it was just – we started playing really hard, started playing really well, um, beat – UNC Greensboro, after we beat Davidson in the first round, UNC Greensboro was a really good mid-major. We beat them by, like, 20 on the road and then went on the road to NC State and had one of the – it was the craziest game I've literally ever been a part of. Uh, ended up being, like, 93 to 91 or something was the final. Um, and just back and forth all game. They played in, in, like, their old arena, so it was just completely packed, um, like, to the wall-to-wall, sold out and the place is going crazy for an NIT game and Gary Garrison Matthews who is now playing with the Rockets was on our team and he was really getting hot as you said during that run and Gary had like 45 but Gary being Gary was just like talking trash to the NC State crowd like they were all hating him and it just got hostile but it was fun man like one of the most fun games ever ended up hitting like a game winner Kenny hit a floater Kenny Cooper hit a floater with like six six seconds left that became the game winner and it was just a wild game. So that was fun. And then got to go to Madison Square Garden for two games, beat Wichita State the first game and then uh, lost to Texas. Unfortunately, we just didn't shoot it very well. And they played really well in the final. They were a good team. Um, but yeah, awesome run. Like, and, and as I said, like you get to the NIT and it's not, nobody planned on that at the beginning of the year, but getting to win that many games together and good fun games was just like an extra six games of our careers that were, important fun games that we never knew we would get so it was a blessing in disguise really for all of us so
1: I remember when you guys were on that run and seeing just your post on social media I was like this group that they have it just seems like they have fun together and that that's yeah. always a good thing to have in a locker room and I have two questions off the NIT run did that Davidson team was that Kellen Grady was it that's yeah. what I thought yeah
2: so Kellen Grady and then uh they had a three now, I'm completely blanking on this guy's name, but that transferred to Western. Um, oh. Frampton, maybe? Yeah, um, it's something like that. And then uh, they were just, they were a good team. They had a bunch of guys, but Grady was the right best scorer, and Grady, Grady and Garrison were going back and forth. I actually went to the SEC tournament last weekend, because it was in Tampa, went with my dad, and we were in the elevator with Grady, and we, like, said, hey, you know, we you remember that? game at davidson I mean, he remembered it obviously but it was just a, it was funny that he has now ended up at kentucky two years later um but he was good i mean he wore 31 at davidson we all thought because he wanted to be steph because dude was chucking dude was chucking at, at davidson too but he's good he's a really good player obviously
1: yeah i just thought killing grady was the man because whoever made those draft classes on 2k was like yeah he, he's him I was like, all right, word, I'll, I'll take your word they for made it. Him
2: Ray, they made him Ray Allen. Yeah, pretty
1: much. They were like, oh, he goes to Davidson, he wears 31, he's Steph. And I was like, yeah. all right, fair enough. Um, That's funny. You, We've talked about the NCAA tournament game against North Carolina, the run in the NIT. I, this is going to be a tough question for you, but I, I think it's an easy answer, but it's a tough question. Which was more fun, the one game in the NCAA tournament or the run in the NIT?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like – if I didn't have the experience of playing in, in the NCAA tournament, like the second year would have been special. The NIT year would have been special, but it wouldn't have been like, like we still at the end would have been like, man, I wish we could have played in the tournament. The The year that we didn't go to the NIT, Liberty beat Mississippi state um, in the first round and Liberty was really good too, but we were really good. We were, I think we were right. I mean, us and Liberty were right there together. We split in the regular season then they beat us in the final by four in a crazy game. Um, so yeah. If I didn't have the experience of the NCAA, I would say like, yes, make the NCAA tournament. But like the the specific experience we had as a group of seniors was a blessing that, that was really like, we'll never forget. Obviously that was like really, it was big for us. So it's a hard question to answer. I didn't even really give you an answer, but I think if you hadn't played it either, everybody would take the NCAA tournament. Like if we would have made it my second year, like, we really could have beaten – we felt like anybody. And all the, all the like, net rankings, all the, you know, analytical stuff, we were really highly rated, similar to Murray State this year and similar to Murray State that year. They had a really good – that was the jaw year. Um, so, yeah, we felt like we could have made a run that second year. Like, the first year the, we were just happy to be there, but that second year we were really locked in the whole year, and we were like, we're going to get to the NCAA tournament. We're going to beat some teams. Um, so – I don't know, man. Like it just kind of depends on if you've never been like, obviously the NCAA tournament is, it is it. So.
1: Yeah. I, I could not imagine either way. Cause like me, like I went to the NCAA tournament that year that Kentucky and North Carolina played in Memphis. I went in Indianapolis yeah. and saw Kentucky play Wichita state, which was an awesome yeah. game. And Great game. that's the first time I'd ever been in person. I was like, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I saw <laughs> two amazing games, Kentucky, Wichita state, and then Louisville, Michigan. And I was like, this is the Mecca. Like I love basketball. This is the best, but then like I can only imagine being in a locker room where you go on that run and then make it to the finals, get to play in MSG, get to practice. I it mm-hmm. I, that was a tough question. I don't think I could come up with the an answer either. I haven't lived <laughs> yeah. the experiences. Uh, we're going to get away from a little bit of college, but I'll let Dylan ask his questions.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Real quick, before we move on from college, uh, I, every former college athlete current college athlete I always want to get your recruiting story and I know you said you were a walk-on and I don't know how in-depth your recruiting story is but whatever it is I want to hear it
2: yeah yeah it's a good question because I it's like it's unique for me it's not um too glamorous but it is unique and it's something that like impacted my life long term obviously like um but really so in high school I knew as soon as I knew this was before high school trust me as soon as I knew that I couldn't play in the NBA, I wanted to work in the NBA. So that became a decision of mine, like kind of freshman, sophomore year of high school, like, all right, I'm 5'10 and can't jump out of the gym like Ja, so I think I'm going to be wanting to wanting to work in the NBA. Uh, obviously being really close to my dad, who was a coach, I saw the impact that coaches have on people, and that's like something that I wanted to do long-term. So anyway, I said all that to say when when the college thing came up, like – I had the option to play at some D3s like around Kentucky and wasn't like, wasn't a D1 player. Um, So if I wanted to go like play somewhere, it was going to be a D3, but I felt like like the connections I would make from division one would really help me long-term to getting NBA connections because getting in the NBA is really difficult if you don't have connections. So I felt like going to a good division one program, I hoped, I just had a feeling, like I hoped that would lead to, my long-term goal of eventually working in the NBA. I mean, I wanted to play, everybody wanted to, wants to play like as long as you can, but I just decided that Lipscomb was a good program. Um, what they had going like was, I really appreciated Casey. Like I watched him coach Casey Alexander was a the coach then now he's coach at Belmont. I liked the way that he coached. I liked how intense he was. I liked how hard they played and I really thought they had something going. And so we went, to a team camp my junior year at Lipscomb because they were recruiting James Boone who ended up going to Sanford so we're just kind of that summer we were bouncing around different D1s that were recruiting him just going to visit those places playing summer camps and um I had just met with Casey while I was at that camp and was like hey I know you don't even know me or you're not recruiting me but like really love love your team um love the way you guys do things and if you would let me, I would like to like walk on if that's a possibility. I had some family that had went to Lipscomb in the past. So it was kind of like Nashville's a good city. It was relatively close to home. And and he for some reason like was down with it. Like there was no reason for him to be him to be down with it. Let me make that clear. Like it's not like it's not like he was like, Oh yeah, I could see you turning into something like that's gonna help us. Like he was just like, he was cool with it. And thank the Lord, like, you know, the the end of the year came, I decided I didn't want to do the D3. D3 thing I wanted to do the one thing and try to walk on somewhere and Casey was still down with it and then fast forward like and obviously went to Lipscomb didn't even know anybody other than really Casey like didn't know any of the players just knew that they were good um knew it was Nashville and knew knew it was D one thing so fast forward two years later when the NIT run happens like and and we didn't make the NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament but we made the NIT and all of us were upset about that like I said but then we made the run in the NIT. Like two weeks after that, I was applying for jobs for that next summer because I graduated. I was about to graduate and I needed to, So I'm, you know, any like NBA internship I can find, I'm sending stuff in for and none of them were applying. And then sent one to the Mavs, um, applied for a player development thing with them. And they responded that day and they're like, hey, we don't know you at all. We get thousands of applicants for this position, but we saw Lipscomb in the NIT uh finals. We were watching them the other day and figured we saw Lipscomb and figured we'd hit you up. And I was like, that was like a moment of like, wow, that's crazy. Like just happened to go to Lipscomb two years ago. And then it like it just led to the Maz, which has led to what I'm doing now. So um it was special, it was a blessing. But uh yeah, unique story. It wasn't like I was highly recruited or even recruited at all, but sometimes it's just you got to get lucky. Um, You got to find winning programs. And you know what I'm saying? That was important to me. And, and Lipscomb and Casey was really, Casey Alexander was huge for me and all of that. Um, So give him shout outs whenever I can. He's, he's big time to me. I know this is a Murray state uh, group here, but really good dude, really good coach. Um, He's helped me a ton. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I love that story. And I love, like I was telling Dylan beforehand that not every record unless you're one of those bigger guys, every recruiting story is more of a, like, a, I had to find a way to advertise myself and get my name out there. So I always love to hear that side of things. Uh, moving on to the NBA, just, you know, you got you, tell, you got that job with the Mavs. You're obviously working with Lakeland now. Just what was the feeling like when you said, like, I work in the NBA now? Like, I this has been my dream. I wanted to work in the NBA, and now you do. What was that like?
2: Yeah, I mean – In Dallas, it was, we were interns. There was 12 of us. Um, So like, and we didn't travel. We were at all the practices. We were at all the home games. Really, bro, in Dallas, like I was a fan. (laughs) That was just like around. And I got to be, we didn't really have too many responsibilities other than like show up at practice, be practice players, show up at games, help us with workouts before and after and just all types of just individual workouts. But like, I'm not like teaching anything or doing anything important. Anybody could have done it. I just got lucky and but like yeah I was like a fan like literally every game you know we will help in warm-ups with our team and their team and 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 not like layup lines but like you know how they come out like three hours before Steph comes out and does his workout and we'll be standing on the rim rebounding so when I was working with the other teams bro like every game I'm like oh this is I'm rebounding for DeMarcus Cousins like this is the coolest thing ever like you know what I'm saying like it never felt like I was I was supposed to be there I was just I was in all the whole year It was a blast. Um, now that I'm in the G League, which, you know, isn't the NBA, but still, like, similar – it's professional basketball. Um, it's been great. I mean, I I don't, like – you never want to feel, like – not cocky isn't the right word, but, like, you've you've made it. Like, you always want to keep chasing. And I don't feel like that at all. It's like a – I mean, it's – the G League's great, but it's still a spot. It's the bottom of the totem pole in the G League. Like, it's where I got to start. But I'm thankful, really, really thankful for – Lakeland giving me a chance here and and thankful for all the blessings that have led to this point. Like I was talking about at Lipscomb in Dallas and and all of that. But it's 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 awesome. It's professional basketball. I love it. Like all we do is basketball. There's no I would do college down the road. Like I'm not opposed to doing college, but the thing I love about the NBA is it's only basketball, as professionals. Um it's it's what we it's all we do. You know what I'm saying? Which is me. Like I I could do basketball 24 seven um so yeah it's I'm in it and it's just a whirlwind and it's great so
0: you talked about being starstruck in the NBA is there still moments in the G League like with guys I know they're like they're not the the biggest guys but there's still like a ton of guys in the G League
2: running around that were big time names in college you still have those moments yeah for sure I mean like I mean I I get less of them now you know now that I'm working with our with our guys more and other teams more like you just kind of get more used to it but still like I was doing a scout and I sent it to all my friends, like I was sending this to all my friends. We, I would, I'd do all the personnel for other teams. So like watch their games before and write up their players and put videos together and stuff. And so we were playing the Grand Rapids gold and they had Isaiah Thomas and uh, Nick Stauskas, which Isaiah Thomas was like an MVP candidate at one point. Um, and unfortunately, I guess really fortunately, because we didn't have to play him, but Isaiah Thomas got called up to the Hornets the day before we played them. And then Stauskas ended up having like 45 on us (laughs) the night before he had 57. He had 57 the night before we were there. And I was like, yo, this dude's hot. And then the next night he had 45 on us. So he got a two year deal with the Celtics the next, next night, but like guys like that, like, it's cool. Um, Some of the UK guys like Terrence Jones is as crazy as that seems like, you know, Terrence Jones professionally at this point is, he's been to Europe and now trying to, you know, get back up to the NBA through the G league, but like, when when he was at Kentucky, I was, you know, 15. And, like, that's – when you're in high school, bro, like your favorite team, like those are the years. You know what I'm saying? Those guys are your heroes. So, like, seeing Terrence Jones, guys like that, uh, is, as funny as that is to say, like, out loud. But, like, seriously, it was like 15-year-old me would be going crazy right now. So, yeah, there's still some still some moments like that where it's cool. But, I mean, get more used to it for sure. So That is 1,000% understandable. I, Admiral Schofield
1: played for the Tennessee Volunteers when I was in college. Let me tell yeah. you, if I saw Admiral Schofield, I would not know what to say. He is one of my heroes a thousand percent. I love that, that's, man. That's what
2: I'm saying. I told, the first thing I told Scho, he's he's a two-way with us, so he's with us some, but mostly with the Magic. He's been with us the last, like, two weeks um while we were on a homestand, but the first thing I told Sko was like, bro, like, nice to meet you. I gotta tell you, I have not liked you at all until this moment right now. Like I'll get over it, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna tell you right now, I've said some mean things about you in the past. Like, so he thought that was funny, but he's a great dude. Um, he's a really good dude. He's been good to uh get to work with and I've learned a lot from him. So and then he's a guy that started on our team just on a G League contract and has earned a two way contract. So he's had a really good year. Um he's gotten better too. So
0: yeah. I mean, me and Dylan are are in the sports world too, but we're the same way. We still get starstruck every time. And I mean, you talk about Stauskas. I, I still, I'm a Michigan fan. So growing up, uh, I mean, I still talk about the time Stauskas tweeted back at me one time and I like, that's a, that's a <laughs> moment that I hold in my, so the fact that you're, you know, doing scouting reports on, on guys like that, I mean, you're working with guys like John Teske at, uh, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So um, wrapping it up uh, from my questions is just, what is your, you know, future goals and plans for, you know, obviously Lakeland's going great now, but what's uh, in the
2: future for Zach Fleener? That's a good question. Um, Like originally I would have said, like, I want to coach in the NBA, you know what I'm saying? Like, which sounds crazy to people, but I mean, that's been a goal of mine for a while. Um, So that's still like coaching I think is my best like skill because there's lots of different ways to go. Once you get here, there's, player development there's front office there's you know operations there's lots of different things but I feel like my best skill is of of the of the few skills I do have uh at this point is um like coaching like seeing the game working with players um you know scouting other teams that kind of stuff is what I feel like I'm best at so like coaching in the NBA would be like my my long-term like big goal but I just want to keep taking like the best opportunity that comes I'm not trying to hold out on opportunities that would be good just because I have a you know what I'm saying just because I have a goal that like wherever it leads me is where it leads me I don't and I'm not opposed to there's nothing too like high or low like it's just wherever it leads me honestly and coaching is what I want to do I think is what I would say to that question so I don't know we'll see <laughs> All right. Awesome stuff. Dylan, you got anything else before we go?
1: Oh, you you know, I always have more stuff. Um, that, that's a really good answer. It makes so much sense, uh, especially like me knowing how your dad was as a high school coach at Murray High. It, it makes so much sense. You following in his footsteps. I can just see that. Uh, like I said earlier, um, I have two more questions. Um, first, what is it like seeing guys you played with have so much success? So we talked a little bit about Garrison earlier. But I want you to dive a little bit more into that. And I know there's some other guys too.
2: Yeah, I mean, Garrison specifically, like, honestly, did not know. No, like, I'll tell him this to his face. I've told him this before. So it's nothing like I'm not talking about him or nothing. But, like, we had no clue that he had this in him. Like, we knew he was nice. And then that NIT tournament run when he was just, like, beating high majors, like, by himself, um, we knew he was really nice. But I didn't know – like, I watched a lot of NBA – growing up especially in college like just watched a lot of nba and really got into like draft scouting and and studying like prospects and and i saw him the hardest thing about studying prospects is like not seeing them in practice not seeing like how they are and like garrison's a great practice player he's the hardest like practicer hardest worker i've ever played with so i had that and still didn't think he could be this good which says a lot about me as and what i know but like we never knew he could do this so seeing him I literally today just reposted a video on my Instagram where he's shooting threes and like LeBron and Steph are closing out and he's just like shooting threes from 30 feet over top of them and it's it's hilarious just to see like Garrison like our teammate our friend who complete goofball is like now in the NBA shooting 30 foot threes over LeBron and Steph so seeing that is awesome there's one of my favorite things in life is like seeing, and everybody, but like me is something I know I love, is like seeing my friends have success, like that's the coolest thing ever, and so Garrison specifically, somebody that has worked for it, and like it's not like he's seven three and and not saying that those guys haven't worked for it, but it's not, it hasn't come easy for him at all, like he just has worked and worked and worked, and so seeing him have that kind of success is like awesome. One of my favorite things in life. So, I mean, I I guess there's, I mean, Garrison's the best player that I've played with on my team. So that's kind of the only example I can think of now, but even seeing like our G League guys this year, for example, that all got called up, like that's for our organization, that's like, we want to win, but seeing that is like the most fun thing. Um, We had four guys get called up when all the COVID stuff was happening. And like, you may say like, well, everybody was getting called up, but for those guys, like, What? Who cares? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they played in the NBA for ten days. They got, well, some of them twenty or a month. They got NBA pay for a month, but also they got to say for the rest of their lives, like, yeah, I was an NBA player. Like, so seeing that for them is is what you get into coaching for. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what that's what it's about. Just seeing, trying to help people fulfill their potential, trying to um, help guys just reach the highest heights they can, and that's awesome to watch for me. So.
1: I yeah. love hearing that. I um uh, I saw that video you, you shared on Instagram of him pulling up and I was like, Oh my god, how did he do that? That's just like yeah. what in the world? Like I remember watching him during that run in the NIT. I was like, This guy, he he's pretty good. Like he might be a G League guy. I was like, Right. I, like, I could too. see him doing that, but like NBA, I don't know. And then I remember
2: and he, he, he took he took crazy shots in college, like crazy shots, like some stupid shots. But, like, we were all cool with it because – Yeah,
1: it's college basketball. That's what the you best see of does. Them,
2: you see enough of them go in yeah. and you, like, keep being cool with them. But then, like, I'll, I'll always – it's so funny, like, watching – like, if I'm ever somewhere with somebody that doesn't know Gary and, well, like, a Rockets game is on, which obviously there's not a ton of those on, but, like, anytime I'm watching Gary with a new person, I'm like, no, he – He's gonna take some tough shots, and and then like you know, first possession he catches and shoots from thirty feet, like contested. <laughs> They're like, oh, like I didn't know. No, I'm like, yeah, he's gonna take some really tough shots. So hey, that's funny that that you, confidence you works. It
1: crazy. works out sometimes. Um, yeah, it's
2: where it's why he's where he's at. Yeah, sure, no joke.
1: Yeah. I I'll never forget. I I remember, like I said, the nit run. That kind of how I remember Garrison Matthews. That's how I think of him in my head. And I'll never forget when 2k got added to 2k. I was like, Hey, there's the guy from Lipscomb. And then just like, yeah. he steadily just kept getting better and better. And it's like, <laughs> you do like an expansion draft and it's like, Oh, like Garrison Matthews is like being picked in the expansion draft. Yeah, right? super yeah, I do the
2: Seattle I'm like,
1: what in the world is going on? It just, he keeps getting better. It's, it's really cool. It's like a, my career story where it's just yeah, like the guy is, from the, the mid-major school. And he comes in. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got – I lied. I have two more questions. So I had three. Um, and I'll do this one do the fun one. Uh, coolest place you played? Like, we talked about Madison Square Garden. You obviously you know. played some road games. You've been in arenas in the NBA. I, it doesn't have to be play, I guess. Been uh, evolved.
2: Yeah. At. Uh, MSG was obviously awesome. Just walking through, the, like, the hallways in the back, and they got all these pictures up of, like, all the artists that have performed there. And it's, like, every artist you could think of. And you're like, whoa. And, like, I shouldn't be here. But, you know, like, that was cool. Um, the loudest place we played when I was at Lipscomb was probably – well, Tennessee was crazy. Um, Thompson Bowling was packed out. Uh, we should have beat them. We lost. We were up going into the last media and lost that game. Um, Purdue. Purdue was wild. Purdue was packed out. That was the year they had Carson Edwards and um, – Paws like and Farms. And uh, no, no, that was after Swanigan. But I mean, they were really good. Uh, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. That was crazy. Uh, Louisville was pretty packed, and we were there. Another game we lost by four. I lost to Louisville and Tennessee in, in college. Those two lost. And in North Carolina.
1: Carolina.
2: I know, I know. And like those were those are three games that, like, if we would have won those games, I would have never stopped talking about that. But anyway, those two, those Louisville and Purdue. Um, definitely in Tennessee, we're probably the loudest and most like fun environments. So, but MSG was definitely the coolest. So,
1: yeah, that's awesome. I MSG is a place that I've never been to New York and I cannot wait to visit because I want to see MSG, I want to see Yankee Stadium, Yeah. iconic sports places. It's what it's all about. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I want to end with this How cool was that dunk that Eli Pepper had on Mobamba?
2: On Mobamba, yeah. Uh, we, I haven't talk to Mo like we've been to the Orlando facility a few times um but I haven't talked to Mo but if I was to talk to Mo I think I might try to bring it up like I might try to see I might you know what I'm saying like without I'm gonna feel it out like see you know yeah right like I don't want to be like the first thing I say to him but like would love to ask him if he remembers that but that dunk was crazy we were getting worked that game and we actually like that was one of the few high majors that we got worked by we we pretty much always are really confident against the high majors that we were good. And we hung in every game. We won a few of them, but um that game, we were getting blown out, but he dunked all over him. That dunk was like, like a real, real dunk, like on Mo Bama. Mo Bama's huge. Like, you know how he is. He's long. He's one of the best rim protectors in the NBA at this point. Like he never gets dunked on and Pep freaking Pep from Caldwell County, Kentucky. It dunks all over him, gets a tentacle for talking trash to him. It was awesome. It was great. It, was, it made that game memorable. We would have totally forgotten about that game for the rest of the time other than Pep dunking all over Mo Bamba.
1: I feel like so. Lipscomb fans remember that and people in West Kentucky. And I feel like that's about it. Yep. And, like, for us, like, yep. being from Murray in West Kentucky, like, being around Eli Pepper forever, he's like, oh, you have the tall guy from Caldwell County. And then you obviously become teammates with him, and he just destroys Mo Bamba at the rim. And it's just like, yeah. what in the world? It, it, it's almost Which, one of those uh, times where, like, he comes up on the Twitter time and it's like, this isn't real. There's no way. Yeah, this is exactly. a simulation. Nothing, there's no way. Like, someone just plucked a name from my memory and was like, yeah, Eli Pepper, <laughs> Thumb, <laughs> Dumb Obama. I Obama. No, it
2: happened. That. I was there. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I couldn't imagine. I would have lost my mind if my teammate did that. Yeah.
2: But but that's all no, I got. Yeah, that was – that was a good dunk. And shout out Mo. Mo's been playing really well lately for, for Orlando. He's been getting a lot better. So. He's got a he's really good, good song named after him as well. Yeah, and he's got a really good song. Yeah. A lot going for Mo. So,
0: Zach, it was awesome to have you here with us. We really enjoyed the conversation. And we'll be sure to have you on again soon. Thank you, man. Uh, and have a good night.
2: Yeah. Great to talk to y'all. This was great. Thanks so much, Zach.
0: All right, Zach, thanks for joining us again. Uh, With the return of interviews comes the return of Guess Who, everyone's favorite guessing game. With the return of March Madness as well, we thought it was the best time to get the pool of players uh, from college basketball. We thought all Americans in basketball from the past 20 years, and we limited it to first team all Americans. So, with some repeats, it should be around, I don't know, 80 to 90 players. are you would say, or no, I'm thinking, no, 40 or 50 players. I, I not 10 yep. players each. Quick math. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Quick math. Uh, we got a Tails. Tails That's never tails. fails. Finally. Uh, I will let you go first. I would like to see your strategy before I let uh, I go.
1: It's been my timing myself. Yes. Okay, I am timing myself. Yeah. Let me get my stopwatch out. All right, here we go. I'm gonna start right. my clock now. Was this in the 2010s? No. So before 2010. Is it a mid-major player? No. Okay, good. It's not Steph Curry. Is it James Harden? No. Was it in 2009? No. Okay. Uh, is it Jameer? No, Jameer Nelson would be mid-major. I was I was hung on. It's gonna be Jameer Nelson. Um, it's not Trey Burke. Blake Griffin, that's 2009 as well. No. I don't have my list up. I like playing this without the list. And now I've, I've got myself. <laughs> Might be tougher corner. without the list. Tyler Hansbro. No. No. Is it an ACC player? No. SEC? No. Big 10? No. Ooh, Pac-12.
0: Pac-12, yes.
1: Pac-12, interesting. UCLA? Yes. Ooh. Ooh, a UCL Aaron Aflalo. Did he go? It to was Aaron Aflalo. Here we go. It was 46 Aaron seconds.
0: I can't believe that you got that without the list. of. I thought Aaron Aflalo was going to be a bit tougher. He was that a was tough. He was a Piston for a little bit. That's really the only reason I picked him. I was like, oh, my yeah. brain
1: was scrambling.
0: I would not see without the list. I wouldn't have expected Aaron Aflalo to be a first team All American. I knew he was good at UCLA, but I didn't realize he was a first team All American until I went back over the list.
1: I looked at the list earlier. And I saw Aaron Eflalo, and I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." And then I kind of just went on with my day. So yeah, Aaron Eflalo, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's almost you can't pick those people that like jumps off the page like that because yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. All right, let me get my stopwatch out. I am not confident. Last time I was nowhere close, and I like Good ran old on.
1: Zion.
0: <laughs> good old <laughs> Zion. If you get, Z- I might just guess him immediately just to make sure. It wouldn't uh, be a bad idea. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, three, two, one. Is it Zion Williamson? No. Okay, is it in the 2010s? Uh,
1: no.
0: Okay, prior to 2010. Uh, are they active in the NBA right now? No. Okay. Uh, ACC? No. Big 12? No. Big 10? No. Pac 12? No. SEC? No. Mid major?
1: I guess, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, They're not it-
1: Power Five.
0: Not Power Five, got it. Uh, Steph Curry, no. Um, uh, Chris Douglas Roberts, no. Okay. CDR. Uh, I still got a little bit of time. Let me let me let me look. Uh, Randy Foy,
1: no. Orlando Magic. Uh,
0: Andrew Bogut,
1: no. Uh oh God.
0: Ryan Gomes, no. Jameer Nelson. No. Oh, God. Oh, I'm out of time.
1: One last guess.
0: One last guess. Adam Morrison.
1: One shining moment. Nope. Oh, my God. Who was it? Card from Villanova, Scotty Reynolds. Scotty Reynolds.
0: Oh, okay. So I I almost picked Scotty Reynolds, too. And I don't know if it's for the same reason. So I'm on Basketball Reference. Scotty Reynolds is the only player of all of these players going first team, second team, third team. He's okay, there's also another like couple second teamers that don't have it, but he's the only one without a basketball reference page. So he's like I, not highlighted.
1: Yeah, I absolutely loved watching Scotty Reynolds growing up and he's on that last NCAA or EA Sports NCAA basketball game with like John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and he's a stud on that game. He's a lefty and it's just so so good. He still plays pro ball in Greece. I was like, "Huh, oh, that's interesting." Yeah, always like Scotty Reynolds.
0: I mean, I, th- I guess the Big East isn't a Power 5 school. I-, I I guessed other Villanova guards, so I can't be mad that you picked a Villanova. Uh, yeah. I pick- I guess Randy Foy. That's the same. It was as- an out
1: one there, I'll be mm. honest, but I like Scotty Reynolds.
0: Rough. That's two straight Guess Whos. All right, we're going to have to get another interview next week so I can get another Guess Who in pretty quickly here. Um, We'll get into the question and answer stuff. Uh, I will lead things off. Both of our questions will have to do with the tournament, but in my opinion – This was the worst NCAA bracket ever assembled in my lifetime since I've been watching. Uh, And I said this when I posed the question to Dylan this week. I feel like everyone has something to say that was wrong about the the bracket this year. And that's not always the case. I feel like there's bigger examples sometimes of like one-off examples. But this was the first time I feel like they botched mostly every seeding. Dylan, I'll throw it to you. Is this the worst job the committee has done since you've watched March
1: Madness? It's pretty bad. I, I don't know if I want to go and say this is the worst, but it's, it's pretty bad. Um, the thing that stood out to me at the beginning was sitting there on Sunday uh, afternoon, watching the SEC championship and watching Tennessee get out to a huge lead. I was like, if anyone is watching the game of college basketball, Tennessee has clearly improved their stock this weekend. They should hop either Auburn or Kentucky or Duke. One of those three teams that lost that that I think that's how it should work with the momentum and all that. And clearly it just didn't matter. Tennessee beat Kentucky. They beat Mississippi state, which doesn't really matter. And they beat Texas A&M who was on fire, had beat Arkansas and Auburn. And before that, Florida, who was on the bubble. And then it just did not matter, which seemed insane to me. Uh, Tennessee stayed at a three seed when the two seeds are Kentucky, who they beat twice in the last month uh arkansas who they've beaten the last or arkansas is a four seed auburn who's a two seed who they beat in the last month and then duke's a two seed who might be the coldest like top four seed in the country i mean duke is like ice cold which i know it's coach k and duke and they got paulo benchero they could go on a run but still I, it just seems odd uh that they they went in favor of blue bloods and that's kind of a a, a complaint that tennessee fans had and I just think it came down to the conference championship or the conference tournaments just didn't matter. And I, I don't like that at all. And it just, I, I think it, it creates a bad precedent because like Texas A&M should be playing in this tournament, whether it was playing last night or tonight in the play-in, like they, they should have somehow been in this and I, that grinds my gears. I don't get it. It, it, it sets up or it doesn't set up. It makes you think that name brand matters a lot more than it should. Whereas like a Kentucky and Duke, they like they didn't look good in their conference tournaments. Like Duke made it to the championship of the ACC. The ACC is weak. Virginia Tech won the thing and they're an eleven seed. That's I don't think that's ever happened for the ACC. Um, it's it's just very very odd. And then my other gripe away from that is they decided to pair Murray State and San Francisco in the first round, and I just don't get it. And I'm going to get into this with my question. But um, I just hate that they paired two strong mid-major teams in the first round because if this was any other year and literally if San Francisco was playing anyone else, I'd be rooting for them. Like a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine texted me and said, hey, what do you think about San Francisco? I was like, that's a tough, gritty team. Like they can make some noise in March. And I'm like, I'm very curious to see what they do because like obviously being in the same conference as St. Mary's and Gonzaga, that hurts the record a little bit because those are two really, really good teams. But now you have them matched up with another really good mid-major team. And it creates, I don't know, it, it, it sucks. It just really, really sucks. Uh, and then my last point, uh, Michigan and A&M should have played in the play-in, but they screwed that up. That would have been a really good game, and it should have been there. But, yeah, I, I think there's a whole lot of gripes, and there's a lot more than what I said. It's, I don't know if I'm ready to call it the worst uh, seeding job ever, but I want to hear what you have to say, and then I might change my mind.
0: Yeah, I think it is as a whole for me. Well, I feel like there have been bigger, like I said, one-off mistakes in the past, particularly like right along the bubble, this year's bracket feels so wrong. It almost makes you wonder like how they do the bracketology stuff. Like you said, if they just... Seated everyone before the conference tournaments. And I think Michigan, my team is a prime example. We should have been in those playing games. Uh, we were on the bubble going into the tournament and then lost to a, a first four in team in Indiana that made a good run beat not only us, but a really good Illinois team that I thought was going to win the big 10. So uh, uh, I mean, with our record, we're 17, 14, we just lost Indiana. It makes no sense that Indiana then had to play Wyoming to get into the field last night versus, you know, us sitting in a, a comfy spot in an 11 seed playing you know uh we'll get into it in the next one but Colorado State as as much as I, I respect Colorado State and where it's at I would much rather play Colorado State than uh some of the other teams that we could have played at the six seed spot so uh and even farther down than that at the seven seed spot so um I I'll just list a few of my gripes but like you said there's not going to be like how does Texas A&M get left out of the field is beyond me. Uh, I feel like everyone almost outside of the one and two lines were misseeded. Mis- and even those were wrong. Like we said, uh, Tennessee should have been a two and Kentucky should have been a three. Uh, that it, that was pretty clear after the SEC tournament. And I feel like the only way you have those flip-flopped is if you had those seated before the conference tournament was played, which I do think it was, ha- which is what happened. I don't know how Murray State wasn't higher. Uh, I think six or even as high as a five seed could have been in order for you guys. Uh, and how is Iowa, the Big Ten champs, a five seed and Providence is a four seed? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That is the like proof in the pudding where it's like they really didn't watch these last few games because Iowa may be the hottest team going into the tournament. I, I have, spoiler alert, have them in my final four. Uh, but there's no way that providence is a better team than iowa right now i don't care what you say so uh i don't know maybe that and maybe it's just because i'm in south dakota now i think that 413 um, matchup between south dakota state and providence is just primed for an upset and it almost feels like and this is what like what you said they fixed a lot of these matchups to be bigger than they should be because they didn't see them based on what the teams are they they fix some matchups they put Michigan State playing Davidson because Foster Lawyer transferred to Davidson but they also have Coach K versus Tom Izzo in the second round lined up ready to go I I I hate that the most that is when it really like grinds my gears because March Madness is the purest time in all of sports I, I would say you seed 68 teams and they all have equal chance to make a run at the national championship it doesn't matter who you are or how you got there As long as you win whatever it is, eight games in a row, seven games or whatever it is, you can win the national championship. And it really grinds my gears when they put like a Murray State versus San Francisco. They both should have their own Cinderella runs that we should be analyzing and seeing if they can make it through that. Not like, oh, well, one of them will end here and the other one will probably start their Cinderella run because, you know, people are going to overlook them. But I don't like that. It feels like the college football playoff stuff which really grinds my gears. And if we're getting closer to that with March madness, that's not good. That is not a good step to take. So we've got to take, hopefully the committee will learn from this. There'll be enough people like us that are complaining that they can take a step back in the right direction next year.
1: I have a few things to add. First, you have to win six games, unless you're a playing team, then you have to win seven and you win the national championship. Um, and I think with the Murray San Francisco thing, I think Murray was misseeded, like you said. I think Murray should have been a five seed, probably. Because so I think when you're looking at the six seeds, two of them I know off the top of my brain are Texas and Alabama, and I think Texas is probably better than Murray. Alabama's not. Alabama is not pro- Alabama's more talented, probably. They have a lot of NBA guys, probably. They haven't played like it, and Texas is good defensively. And I think Texas and Murray would be one heck of a game. But it's like when you look at net rating and all the Ken Pond stuff and all this advanced statistics that they say matter, Murray's better than all these teams. It just didn't matter. They're like, well, that's Murray State. They won the OVC. Who have they beat? You can only beat the teams on your uh, schedule. And the only teams that beat them were an Auburn team that was the best team in the country when we played and East Tennessee State. On the first day of an early season tournament where Murray shot like one of 13 from three. It's hard to win games when you do that in college basketball. A lot of teams are so reliant on three like Murray State is. Uh, and It's just frustrating that they obviously they can't. When people look at Murray State, they're like, oh, they played close games against Morehead State. They lost to East Tennessee State. It's like, man, what are we talking about here? Like, this is a long season. Like, Tennessee lost to Villanova in November by eighteen. Tennessee is a completely different team. As someone that's watched Tennessee this season, in November, I was like, yeah, they're not very good. I had no faith in them. I saw them lost to lose to Villanova by a million, lost to Ten- Texas Tech in... Brooklyn and I was like, that's the ugliest basketball team I've ever seen. I don't want to watch them. Kennedy Chandler's overrated. I want nothing to do with it. Rick Barnes does what Rick Barnes does. He made adjustments. He changed the starting lineup around. Started using Jonas Adu and Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and that team's just different now. They're they're just a lot better. And Kennedy Chandler has turned into the point guard they should have been. And it, it's just. I think I say that to say that uh, the committee not looking at what's happening now and how teams have changed and uh, using pre-existing judgments just isn't right. You got to see them on what's going on right now. The tournament's being played now in March, not what happened in February or January or December or November. So I, it's frustrating. I, I, I think you have a really solid point on saying it is the worst seating we've seen in our lives.
0: I can't remember one fully worse. I, I think like there have been teams that have been left out where it's like that, that should, there should, there's no way they should have been left out, but you have examples of that. I mean, there's no way Texas a and should have been left out of this field and then there's everything on top of that. So I think it's at least the in my memory, maybe it's the recency bias, but I think it's the worst of all time. I have
1: two fun little things. Uh, Tennessee finished number five in the AP poll and they're a three seed. Or, yeah. Three seed. <laughs> The last team to finish number five in the AP poll and be a three seed, close to home for you, or used to be close to home, Michigan State with Cassius Winston. They went to the Final Four because uh, mm-hmm. that team was really good. I think a lot like this Tennessee team. And then you mentioned teams that were left out. 2014-15, Murray State, led by Campaign and Jarvis Williams, went 30-1. and one. Very similar to this year's Murray State team that went 30-2. and two. They lost on a buzzer beater in the OVC tournament to Belmont did not make the turn of it went on to the nit went to the elite eight of the nit and lost on a half court buzz repeater to <laughs> old dominion at wherever old dominion is in virginia so yeah i this is all like a very close to home for me
0: that's painful that's painful but uh yeah i i think Hopefully we can at least get some good games out of it because uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's the worst seating we've seen, but they did set up the matchups. So hopefully the storylines can play out. Uh, I honestly think, oh, I kind of hope that some of them blow up in their face and they do, they get like Davidson versus Duke and, and foster lawyers going up against coach K and, and they're on the brink of getting eliminated before the sweet 16 that that's what I'm rooting for, but uh, all right, we'll move on to your question.
1: So sticking with March Madness as a fan, Would you rather be matched up with a power five team that we're more familiar with for the most part? Like if you watch college basketball, you get pretty familiar with all these power five teams in the tournament, or would you rather be going up against a uh, darling mid-major that could become a Cinderella really quick?
0: So I think both can be daunting. And the way I looked at it is it really depends on the program more than the conference that they come from. For example, and even though I'm going to contradict this later, I think teams like UConn, North Carolina, Blue bloods like that that struggle in the regular season are teams that I want to avoid in March completely because all it takes is the right formula, the right spark to get those teams going, and all of a sudden they're a number one type team, they're a one seed type team, at all because they recruit the same way every year. Sometimes the, you know, it just doesn't gel. But I remember when Kentucky beat Michigan, when we had Nick Stauskas, they were very similar. They had the Harrison twins and they didn't play very well. I think they were like a four seed coming into the the tournament. And all of a sudden they just snapped and they just were going crazy all of a sudden. And that's, those are the types of teams you want to avoid. If you get a Yukon and North Carolina, that's underseeded. I think those are the most scary, but in the same way, I think it's even, more daunting to face a Loyola Chicago or even a Murray state than it is like a USC where a team where I haven't seen USC be very successful in the tournament in my lifetime. And I know they have had success in the past, but they haven't been successful lately where Loyola Chicago has, like they have that weird special stuff that, you know, the, uh, the Cardinals have, you know, usually at the end of the year, but uh, they have that weird thing that goes with them. So I I think that's, you know, that can be even more daunting than, you know, playing like an Oklahoma state or a a team like that. That's not historically great at basketball because these programs, the the ones that have had Cinderella runs in the past, uh, they're they have, they have. Some historic, you know, connection to basketball to an extent, and uh, I think that becomes even bigger and harder to do. And I, I think, you know, to to put a final statement, I I do think it's more daunting to play those mid-major teams just because more of those teams have that connection to historically good basketball. They've run through their conference, and there's a reason why usually that they're making those runs, and usually if you're playing one of those teams in the second or third round, it's they're already on one of those magical runs where Texas tech, USC, some, someone like that, they can, I can see them getting through the first round and then, you know, tripping on themselves in the second or third round. So uh, I think just because, you know, more of the time when you play one of those teams down the road, they're already on those runs. I think it is more daunting, but uh, like I said, there are certain exceptions to that rule. And, And having said that as a Michigan fan, It was way better and i know i was way happier facing loyola chicago in the final four in 2018 than i was you know playing like kentucky or tennessee or even virginia out of that side of the bracket that year so uh, i don't know i could go either way i think but it it really just depends on you know that what program we're facing and what they've done recently
1: so speaking as a person that is follows two programs pretty closely. I follow Mary State basketball more closely than Tennessee, but I still support both speaking from my state in the last few tournaments. I mean, it's kind of weird. Cause we got matched up with Marquette when John ja was there and Marquette's in the Big East, So that's kind of, it's not a mid-major, but it's not a power five. It's a, it's a big conference. I mean, it's the big East like that's, that's major basketball. So obviously going into that and they had Marcus Howard, it's obviously nerve wracking, but it's like, it's still like, Oh, like it's doable. And then you win and you get matched up with Florida State, who had Cabanjale and Terrence Mann. And it's like, this is impossible. We can't beat them. We don't have the size. We just, it's just not going to happen. And the year before that, we got matched up against West Virginia, who had uh, Javon Carter. And I don't think they had Sheboy. I don't know how how old Sheboy is. But I wouldn't, I don't know if he was there or not. Sheway might have been there coming off the bench. They had a really big center coming off the bench. And if they did, oh my goodness. Sheway against Murray State again. I'm I'm not saying he was, but he was at West Virginia. I don't know if he played against Murray or not. I just remember they were just so big inside, and Murray just couldn't compete with it. And that's what it comes down to a lot with these mid-major teams, is they don't have the size, and it's just it it hurts them. And when you get matched up with the bigger teams, it just it just ends up killing you. Like Murray State uh in 20. 12 with when Isaiah Cannon was on fire was second team all-american I couldn't remember if Isaiah was second team or first team I wanted to pick him as my pick but he was second team uh we beat Colorado State in the first round a mid-major team we got matched up with them beat them we were sixth seed and then uh we had to play Marquette with Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder isn't the biggest guy in the NBA but when he was in college he he was like the biggest guy in the court because he was a grown man. And it just, it ended up being such a mismatch that it killed Murray. They dominated the boards. And it's just that kind of stuff. As a mid-major, when you get matched up against some of these teams, the matchups, they just kill you. I don't think it's always like, especially for a team like Murray or Loyola Chicago, I don't think they're going to go in and be like, oh, we're playing Kentucky, or we're playing West Virginia. We're playing North Carolina, Baylor, whatever. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, we're scared. They're, these are teams that win. They don't care who they're playing. It's, they're they're going to go out there and play basketball and um i think it comes down to there's just mismatches a lot of the times these mid-major teams like you look at loyola chicago with all they did the past few years their best player was cameron cut of crutwig most of the time, he's not an nba guy he just isn't he, that's not what he was he's was just a great college basketball player whereas you get some of these teams that are power conference teams that are just they've got nba players all over the place they got freak athletes and that just it makes a huge difference and it sucks but that's how it is uh so as um a guy that's fallen Murray state being matched up with San Francisco terrifies me. Cause I don't know much about, him. I, I know they, they play a really solid brand of basketball, but I don't know much more than that. Uh If Murray was the 17 matchup against USC, I'd also be scared because I know they have Mobley's brother. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with anybody that's like Evan Mobley. Um, so I, I just think it's uh, both, both sides provide different levels of, uh intensity it can provide different types of fear as you're going into a game you're like oh man i don't know about this this is this is something else but uh at the same time when you i've seen this a lot with murray anyways it feels like murray's got to the point where they're in everybody's head and so now people are picking against them which is weird like they're overlooking san francisco and that's just weird i i don't know i don't know how to think about that's with these mid-major teams i think a lot of people don't understand mid-major teams aren't going to overlook anyone when Murray State has to go to Carbon, or excuse me, Cape Girardeau to play Southeast Missouri State a week before their conference tournament, they're not going to overlook San Francisco in the NCAA tournament. That's just not going to happen. I, I think mid-major teams are far more likely not to overlook someone, whereas you get someone like Tennessee a couple years ago that lost to a Loyola Chicago. They are more likely to overlook a, te- a team like that when they've got guys like Jordan bone and Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and just NBA players left and right. Uh, so I think, I think it goes both ways And it's separate answers for like, if you're Michigan, you want to play a power five team. I think I, that's how I think anyways. Cause like, that's what you're used to playing. And you're like, I feel like that they play similar styles. When it comes down to it, whereas mid-majors, they play similar styles to one another. It's it's almost like different brands of basketball. When you mix it all together, things just get crazy, which is how we get the March Madness. And it's so much fun. Um, and Murray's in a unique situation where they're going to play San Francisco, a really good mid-major team. And if they win, they're probably going to get Kentucky, which is the power five team in college basketball. So uh, it's really, really interesting. It's going to be really fun to see how it plans out. But yeah, I, I asked this question and I don't have an answer. And I think there's just a million answers to it.
0: Yeah, I I like the point you made about the size. I do think, uh, like Hunter Dickinson makes Michigan mid major proof. Like there's guys that make your team mid major proof because they're just too big, they're too strong, they they can't be matched up with a, 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 at the same level of the mid major. And I was just looking, Isaiah Canaan should have been a, a first team American. That you're yeah, you're I, right. <laughs> no guards were first-team All-Americans. It was Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Doug McDermott, Thomas Robinson, and Jared Sullinger. There's not one, like, the smallest is a small forward if you call Draymond Green a small forward.
1: It was ridiculous. Isaiah was so good. I was at that gym every night I could be to watch Isaiah Cannon. He was amazing. He should have been first-team All-American.
0: That's rough. I don't understand how you don't put a guard on first-team. And really, I mean, unless... I don't remember Marcus Denman. Was Marcus Denman a guard? There really wasn't... From
1: where did he where go to school? He went to Missouri. See, huh? Missouri? I don't remember him.
0: He was a guard. So there was he two was guards guard. on the second team. But that was it. There was another three big men on the next team. So that's ridiculous. Um, all right. We'll move on to a pact this week in sports because we got a lot to get into. Moments after we stopped recording last week, news broke that baseball was back. And I... I like to think that Manfred and the owners wanted to make sure that our show was done before they announced the news, but here we are. Baseball is back. Dylan, what is your reaction to all the news and the details surrounding baseball's return? And where do you think we go from here?
1: I'm just glad we got it over with. I, we sat here for the past couple of months and we're just like, this sucks. It's like, it it just felt like it was doomsday most of the time, where it was like, there's not going to get a deal done. It's not going to happen. We're going to miss half the season. And that's not going to happen. We're going to get baseball played. Uh, And like, almost as soon as uh, the tweets got sent off, we're like, hey, baseball's coming back. It's happening. It seemed like moves started getting made. And teams were like, all right, we're doing this. We're we're in. And uh, it's just exciting. Uh, Baseball is obviously, they chose a really weird time news cycle wise, because a lot of things are happening in the world of sports right now. But they said, hey, we're going to try to get some shine over here on baseball. And they, they've done it. And the fact that they've done it with everything happening, which we're going to get into more of later, is really, really spectacular. It's, it's going to be exciting to see what all happens from here, what other moves happen. Um, I, one of the things that stood out to me, Tatis has got hurt. And I've seen several things said about it. And I'm just like, this is bizarre. It's everything happening right now with baseball. is just bizarre. It's like, what is going on? What's ha- going to happen with Freddie Freeman? Uh, the Blue Jays keep getting better. The Blue Jays might get Freddie Freeman, but they just traded for Matt Chapman, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't know. Dylan doesn't know either. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like Freddie's going back to the Braves, but he might. There's just so much stuff happening, and it's fun. And it's... It, I think the MLB and NFL. Yeah, Dylan, to said Matt Chapman did go to the Blue Jays. I thought he did. I, no, I like he Matt. He's a third.
0: He's a third baseman, so they still could put Freddie at first.
1: That's true. That's, Matt Chapman is a guy like they. I feel like the Athletics put him everywhere because didn't he play in the outfield a little bit? He played a little first maybe
0: so a, little bit. a little bit too yeah it, i guess they'd have to figure out because vladdy was playing third last year right yeah so they that.
1: they move vladdy around they put him at first they put him at third mm-hmm. vladdy could dh
0: yeah or honestly, freddy could that, dh i mean that's not a bad problem to have when you you're trying to no. figure out how to juggle matt chapman Freddie freeman and, <laughs> and, and Guerrero.
1: <laughs> that's not a bad problem at all um the Blue Jays, I've said it for a while now. They're becoming so exciting, and I just love them. I'm really, really excited to watch them play baseball. Uh, the Cardinals, the the most boring team in baseball, but there's been some fun rumors around them. Uh, apparently, they've been in heavy talks with Trevor Story, which I am all about. Get Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado back together, and let's just win a million baseball games in St. Louis this year. I would be all for it. Uh, the Reds have completely destroyed their team. They They're going all in on the tank, which – I'm a okay with they were they were really fun to watch last year and I had to cover a lot of their games and I went to a game of theirs in Cincinnati but man they just they weren't the best they just had a good offense not much else uh so they sent out uh Winker and Eugenio Suarez to Seattle uh Mike Wistakis is trying to get freed right now Sonny Gray got shipped out uh Castellanos is on the verge of signing with Miami like there's just so many things happening with that team uh there's just a lot of stuff happening in the world of baseball and it's just it's just so exciting. Uh, the Carlos Correa situation is still just a situation. Uh, there's just, ah, it's so much fun. I'm just having fun with it. it. It feels like I'm sitting here and this is like an MLB The Show franchise mode. And we're in the offseason. It's just like, this guy signed here. This guy signed here. I'm like, well, that's fun. Like, how did that happen? Uh, and it, it feels like teams are making strides to become more competitive, like Seattle, like uh, Toronto. And it's just fun i'm having a lot of fun with it and as i've said for the past year doing the show baseball's fun to me again anyways and i love it so yeah that those are my thoughts so far
0: I love everything you said. I'm just happy to put this behind us. We seem destined to lose baseball for a lot of baseball this year uh, with how far apart the two sides were. So I'm happy we finally got something done. I'm happy we got something done in time to reschedule those games that were canceled. I'm happy we're not going to lose baseball other than those spring training games that we did lose. Uh, And really more importantly, I want to see if all of these proposed fixes to service time manipulation and the competitive balance tax works, Uh, I'm on the side of the players always. And I absolutely want to see the players, uh, the best players play. And especially with Spencer Torkelson looking ready to take over first base in Detroit. uh, I, I like want, I don't want to see organizations, you know, mess messing with their service time and, calling guys up and, and doing those shady things that makes it so uh, you can't see a guy sign their best deal. I think Matt Olson's a great example. I think he's a guy that hasn't signed his uh, a, a deal until like he was 28 or 29 because of the way that the, the athletics used his service time. Uh, I want to see that change. So hopefully the proposed changes did that. Uh, and I also want to see uh, if that extra level of the competitive balance tax uh, works. If you don't know, the CBP is basically MLB's luxury tax, and they've added another level to it. It's not a hard cap like other leagues have, and uh, players like that because it maximizes what they can get paid. But however, because it's not a hard cap, teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, and now rumored the Mets are all willing to go over it. And I I was I'm hoping this stricter rule in place helps, but it, it might just widen the gap between the half and the half knots because it just puts another level of where are you willing to go past to make your team work and if you're Steve Cohen in the Mets you're willing to do that and you're willing to make it pay the money to make your team successful so I'm hoping that you know we don't have to revisit this the next time the CBA comes around but uh, I think the biggest news is just we've got baseball back we're gonna have 162 games and We've got everything back. We're, we're on the right track. So uh, it's a much better step than we were the last time we talked about this. I feel like the last time we talked about this, we were very, very pessimistic on where this was going. So uh, we're going to get a full season of baseball and I'm excited for that. Uh, on to the other big, he's back news. We talked about the potential r- return of Tom Brady on the NFL Roundtable, and he's back. It didn't take long. He's announced he's coming back to Tampa to go for another super bowl. Dylan, I'll just throw it to you. What are your thoughts on Tom Brady returning?
1: I love it. Um, the night before Tom Brady announced he was returning, which was like 20 minutes after we went live during the selection. So special, uh, <laughs> The night before, it was a Saturday, last Saturday night, his last touchdown pass, the ball, sold at an auction for like half a million dollars. And I remember talking to one of my friends. I was like, man, could you imagine if Brady comes back? That ball is worthless. And now it is. I, I feel really bad for whoever bought it because that, that sucks. Uh, they, I feel like anyone with like, that knows who Tom Brady is, like understands like how much of a competitor he is. And kind of expected at some point Tom Brady would be back. Like it was obviously it might not have happened, but everyone kind of expected, like, yeah, Brady's probably gonna end up back at some point. And it only took 40 days or 43 days or whatever it was. Um, I'm really excited about it. I I'm I'm not ready to see an NFL without Tom Brady. And I we didn't see it didn't feel like a classic Brady performance for him to go out on with that loss to the Rams. It just it doesn't seem like that's how Darth Vader's gonna go out. I, I need to see him, strap the pads up one last time, tie the laces, and go out there and just be Tom Brady. And I, I'd really like to see that. Uh, whether and I've seen rumors of what if it's not with the Bucs? I don't think he was coming back unless it was for the Bucs. I don't think the Bucs would allow it. Uh, I think he's going to go down there in an NFC South that could get really interesting in the coming days if Deshaun Watson is traded to one of those three teams uh, that are not the Buccaneers, as is rumored. Um, it could be a lot of fun and it I mean it's Tom Brady the Buccaneers automatically get back up to the NFC favorites with the Rams and Packers so yeah just a lot of fun I, I'm really happy Tom's back I would have never thought I would say I'm glad that Tom Brady's coming back but I am I, I'm excited to see what he does next year in year 23 or 24 or whatever it'll be but yeah really really excited what are your thoughts on old Tommy B
0: I just hope this is it. I, I look back to the Brett Favre saga back when when he was in Green Bay, and, and I watched that franchise toil with that for so long, and it, it becomes really frustrating really quickly. Especially uh, when you're in the Green Bay situation, you have a backup ready to go. That's Aaron Rodgers, uh, but if he was ready to unretire in two weeks, why did he retire in the first place? It, it, like we heard the rumors that he might come back immediately. And that's why we talked about it. It's like, why I don't understand why athletes do that type of stuff. And I just, I think there's a disconnect when there's a, there becomes a very obvious disconnect when things like this happen because fans are like well i don't understand why this becomes such a drawn-out process where it's like oh you're actually going to retire but you're going to say you're going to come back in two weeks when you clearly knew you were never going to retire we all knew tom was he was too good he was still doing too much there was no way that a guy with that competitive fire like you said was going to go out losing to the rams in a in a in the NFC division or whenever round that they lost to the Rams and whenever it was, but I, I don't know. I, I hate, I hated that saga and Brett Favre. So I hope this is it as a Michigan fan. I'll always hope for the best and hope that he does well. Uh, but with all the quarterbacks right now, let's just get back to football. I don't know if it's just the offseason and everyone's just looking for fun stuff to talk. This isn't fun. I, I don't like talking about retirements and unretirements. Let's just talk about football. It, it does make Tampa a, a little bit more fun, and we'll see how it affects you know the NFC South in the coming days. But let's just let's just get back to it's March Madness time, and and finally. That moves me on to our final this week in sports topic. It's March Madness time. We're going to give you guys some of our upsets that we're looking for, some teams to watch for, but ultimately our final four picks and our national championship picks. So Dylan, I'll throw it to you. What are you looking out for as the tournament starts?
1: Would you like me to start with my upsets?
0: Go for it. Whatever order you want to go in.
1: Okay. My first upset would be Davidson over Michigan State. You talked a lot about that game earlier. I like Davidson. Davidson's one of these programs that's been determined before. Obviously, they made that run with uh, Steph Curry back in the day, but I think this Davidson team's really good. You look at it, uh, two of their starters from last year, Carter Collins, who's now a starter for Murray State, and Kellen Grady, who's a starter for Kentucky, are gone. And they come out and they're just as good or if not better this year. So that speaks a lot to that program and what they built there. Uh, I, think, I think they have a lot of momentum. I think they're going to beat Michigan State. Not only do that, I think they're going to take down Duke in the second round. I think Duke is a team that's very primed for an upset. I understand it's Coach K's last year. Duke could win it all. Do not get me wrong. But I, I think they're very primed for an upset. They've just been playing so bad. And I hate that for them. I hate that it's Coach K's last year. I think Paulo Benchero is awesome. But I think Davidson's got that fire. I think they could very well take down Duke and Michigan State um another upset that i have uh let me find it. i'm literally looking at my paper bracket um i filled one out this year i sat down with my grandmother the other night and we both filled out brackets if you'd like to see my grandmother's bracket you can go on tvsportsmag.com and see what she said uh, uh i don't have many upsets in the first round many most of my upsets come in the second round with kind of uh, crazy things happening i guess i have loyola chicago over ohio state i don't think that's an upset though i think those teams are pretty even i think ohio state's good each other awesome Right? I think it's low as Chicago. They've got the sister gene Magic, and I, I think that's going to go a long way. Uh, I think if someone just grabbed my bracket and they're like, what were you thinking? This is one of the games they would say. In the second round, I have eight seed Memphis taking down the number one overall seed Gonzaga. And I think if someone just grabbed my bracket, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Memphis has got a lot better. I think they're better than eight seed. I think that team's got a lot of talent. Obviously, Penny Hardaway has got so many good players there. Uh, they knocked down... Uh, Houston a couple weeks ago obviously lost to them in the American Championship game. That's a team that's hungry and they've been clowned on all year long. So I'm interested to see uh, how that works out uh, as they take on Boise State in the first round and I have them winning that game and then also beating Gonzaga. I just I'm not crazy about Gonzaga. I'll be honest. I I don't think... there's a huge separation between Gonzaga and everyone else. I, I think the one seeds are very vulnerable. I think the two seeds are vulnerable. I think everyone's vulnerable. So I think it could get really crazy. And uh, my bracket shows that I also have Baylor losing in the second round to North Carolina. You've been crazy about North Carolina for a while now. And I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I think North Carolina, they, they won. Uh, it was six of their last seven. That one loss came to Virginia tech who was on fire in the ACC tournament. I think it's got a lot of fire under their butt. Armando ba- uh, Baycott is awesome. And Baylor's hurt. Baylor's got a lot of injuries. I think North Carolina could very well get that done and move on to the Sweet 16. And then, obviously, the upset of all upsets in my life, the biggest game in program history for Murray State in the second round in Indianapolis, Murray State versus Kentucky. I've got Murray State taking down Kentucky. I I think Kentucky is a team that goes as far as Oscar Sheboy takes them. And I think Murray State attacks teams' best players and gets them in foul trouble. And they, they do it against big men because a lot of the teams in the OVC, which is uncommon for men' majors, uh, a lot of the best players in the OVC are big men. KJ Williams, Player of the Year, is a, a center. Uh, Big—I I, don't—I can't pronounce his name from Belmont. Thirty-three center, and then Janai Broom from um, uh, Morehead, center. They're all big guys. Murray they attacked all, th- all both of those guys. Janai Broom, you, you saw it in the OVC championship. If you watch, Janai didn't get in foul trouble, went crazy. So it's kind of. That's where things go with Murray. If they can attack Oscar, get him in foul trouble, I think Murray State wins that game. Because UK struggles shooting, Murray State plays lockdown defense. I think that could, mm. I could feel it. I just It's going to be the biggest game in Murray State's history, and I would love, 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 love to see it. Um, those are basically my big upsets. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in my bracket. Uh, I guess, like, I have Iowa taking down Kansas. I don't think that's an upset, though. Iowa's the Big Ten champions. They're just the five seed, and Kansas is a one seed. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be an upset. So I'll get into my final four out of the West region. I mentioned I have Memphis taking down Gonzaga. So obviously Gonzaga is not, not my team out of the West. I have the three seed, I believe. Yeah, the three seed Texas tech university getting to the final four out of that uh, region. And I don't think Texas tech is the best team in that region. I think just, they get a very favorable, favorable, uh, draw they get Montana State in the first round, which I don't know anything about, I'll be honest. If Montana State beats them, fair enough. Uh, and then I have them playing Rutgers. I think they match up well against Rutgers. And then obviously I have Davidson beating Duke. I think they match up really well with Davidson, just being a really, really big, athletic, long team. It's just, they're going to be a nightmare for a lot of teams. Uh, and then I have them uh, defeating UConn and the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. Uh, out of the East, unfortunately, I do not have the Murray State Racers. Uh, I have Murray State getting to the Sweet 16 and then falling to Purdue. Uh, I have Purdue getting to the Elite Eight and taking down UCLA to get to the Final Four. So, so far I got Tennessee Tech, not Tennessee Tech, Texas Tech and Purdue in the Final Four. Out of the South, everyone knows who I'm going to say out of the South. It's the Tennessee Volunteers going to the Final Four out of the South. And in the Midwest, I got Iowa. So, I got Texas Tech against Purdue and Tennessee versus Iowa. And the National Championship, a rematch of the Music City Bowl. Purdue versus Tennessee. I said it back in January. It was the real national championship. Who knew it's going to be the real national championship, just in a different sport. Uh, Tennessee's going to get the revenge over Purdue. Tennessee's winning the national championship. It probably won't happen. But, hey, I said the same thing about the SEC tournament, and it it happened. So I'm going to go with the balls. I think they're just playing an unreal brand of basketball right now, playing – unreal defense Kennedy Chandler uh, stepped up and become a guy that can get a bucket whenever they need it and that's just huge when you get into the tournament if you've got guys like that and you got multiple guys where you got Santiago Viscovi uh Josiah Jordan James that can go and get buckets and then you got a guy off the bench like Sakai Ziegler that can be leaned on uh to make plays when Kennedy Chandler or Santiago go to the bench I that's just invaluable uh, I think Tennessee's primed to make a run. I'm saying this all now, and they're going to lose like first round. Uh, Purdue, I, Purdue in the championship, I, I've loved Purdue all year, and I joke with my friends, it's like, oh, yeah, I probably just have Stockholm Syndrome after they beat us in the Music City Bowl, but I, I've just really liked Purdue's basketball team. Since the beginning of the year, Jay Ivy's a monster, uh, and then Zach Eadie is going to be a nightmare for whoever they face. And obviously, they're set up for a Sweet 16 matchup with UK if everything goes uh, chalk, and Zach Eadie versus Oscar Sheboy would be incredible. And I, I I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it's Zach Eadie versus uh, KJ Williams. But if it's Eadie versus Sheboy, that'll be must-see television. That'll be like a heavyweight fight. Uh, so yeah, there's you you mentioned storylines earlier. There's a whole lot of storylines that could happen. And just like, in mind, the Elite Eight, getting the rematch of Arizona against Tennessee, where Arizona came to Knoxville early in the season and uh lost to tennessee so there's and like tennessee gets the rematch against villanova tennessee's run to the final four in mind it's just like oh we get to beat a bunch of teams that beat us before like they play michigan in the second round michigan beat tennessee a few years ago in the sweet 16 elite eight one of the two uh but yeah a lot of revenge games for tennessee which would be really fun for me uh yeah that's my final four i don't know (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so I have uh so I'll start with my upsets. I've got uh I alluded to this earlier. I've got number 13 South Dakota State taking down Providence uh in the first round. I've got uh like you said, there's a few upsets that I have that I don't have written down that I don't have on my list, but I do like or er, like I I have them on my bracket. Like Michigan being Colorado State is not much of an upset to me, but it's it's written down. You know, Iowa making it to the final four. I'll uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. But that that is uh that's in there, but it's not an upset to me. These are the big ones that I wanted to mention. So South Dakota State over Providence, I think that's like an easy one for you. Thirteen over four, uh chalk that into your bracket. I think that's gonna happen. Um I
1: had that one. I didn't even They did even register with me. I have South Dakota State.
0: I think that's so easy because I think Providence is so overrated at the four seed, and South Dakota State is such a solid program. I know I live in South Dakota now, but uh, trust me, they do have a very solid basketball program. Uh, The Jackrabbits are not ones to be messed with. Uh, I've got Miami over USC. 10-7 seeds are even tough, to, but I think... USC has been the better team all year. Miami had some early losses, but I think Miami could make some waves if they get through their first couple of games. Uh, it's going to be tough, obviously playing the two seed right after, but uh, I got Virginia tech taking down Texas. I think Virginia tech one of the hottest teams in the, in the nation right now. I, I think Texas is overrated. I, I think even as six seed, Texas is overrated. I don't think the big 12 was very strong this year. So, uh, and they lost some really bad games. So uh, I think Virginia tech gets it done there. I, like New Mexico State over UConn this is where I said I was going to contradict myself because UConn was a bit under at number five but I, I don't know that was just one of those things that like first first gut reaction I think New Mexico State can uh, pull that off uh, and then in the second round I'm echoing you I think North Carolina beats Baylor in the second round I think that's uh, like you said Baylor's hurt North Carolina's hot it's pretty good and I think Purdue gets knocked out early I think Virginia Tech stays hot and gets into the Sweet 16. I think they're one of those teams that makes that run. They remind me so much of Michigan. Uh, If you guys remember the year Michigan's plane went off the runway before the Big Ten tournament, uh, and then they went on to win the Big Ten tournament right after that. We ended up making it, I think, to the Sweet 16 that year, and it was just, like, such an emotional run. Like, it's just, like, you win one of those conference tournaments when you're not supposed to even be in the tournament altogether, and then now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we know we can do this. We've beaten – the Dukes of the world, the, these teams of the world, we've done it in us. We have the the necessary skills to do it, so I think Virginia Tech is that team this year. Watch for them to make a run. Uh, yeah, and none other than that, uh, not, not not too much of note. I, I think uh, once you get to the Sweet Sixteen. It's really not even an upset anymore. Teams that are in the Sweet 16 deserve to be there, and it's uh, it's tough to even say it's an upset. So for my Final Four out of the West, I do have Gonzaga, just because that is a weak bracket. I think outside of Gonzaga and Duke, there's really not much there. I don't even think I think Texas Tech is a bit overseeded at three seeds. So I, I I think Gonzaga ends up making it out of there. I do have Kentucky making it out of the East, just because I think you know once. Once Baylor gets knocked out of it, I do think Kentucky's better than North Carolina and they will be able to get past. Uh if they're able to get past Murray State, I do think that'll be a close game, but if they're able to get past Murray State, I think they'll have a pretty clear path. Uh in the south, I like Arizona. I've been high on Arizona all year. I think they're going to have an easy way. And then in the Midwest, I'm going with Iowa as well. I think that's one of the weaker the sides of the bracket and Iowa under seated at a five seed. I think they've got a pretty easy path. I think they're going to make some waves and you've got a guy like Keegan Murray. That's, that's the type of dude that you want in March. Uh, so for my national championship, I've got Arizona versus Kentucky kind of a blue blood national championship type matchup. And I'm I'm sticking with Arizona. I've been high on them since they beat Michigan earlier in the year. I think they win their first national title since 1997 and the Wildcats are back on top of the basketball world. I feel like it's been so long. Like when we grew up, Arizona was one of those blue blood, those teams that always have a really good team. And then for the past like five or so years they've been really bad and i think now this is the perfect chance for them to reclaim you know we're back it's arizona it's north carolina it's duke it's one we're one of those teams again uh so i think arizona gets it done uh we'll look forward to that make sure you're signing up for that march madness tournament challenge so you can get in on that contest to win fifty dollars and a chance to be on the Dylan and Dylan show. All right, that's going to do it from us at the D&D show this week. Dylan,
1: any final thoughts before we go? So I just have to say, I have beef with Arizona. And I have for a long time. It's nothing they've done. I like the program to be honest, but in 2018, I picked DeAndre Ayton and the Arizona Wildcats to win the tournament, and they lost to Buffalo in the first round. And I just I don't know. I've had trust issues with them ever since. And like I think Arizona is really really good. I last week when we talked about the conference championships, I picked UCLA because I was like UCLA's got all this March experience now. They they basically have the same team they had last year, and I was like, they're, I think that's going to come in big time in this championship game, and it didn't. Uh, Arizona's physicality uh, just was too much. They're just they're a lot like the Texas Tech team that I mentioned earlier, just better. And um, I think Texas Tech's going to benefit, in my bracket anyways, because they get matched up with teams that are weaker. Arizona can do that to anyone, and someone's going to be fortunate to knock them down, or they could very well cut down the nets. But I just have beef with them. Um, I, I'm really, really excited to get into the next few days. Uh, as you're listening, hopefully this is out on Thursday, and you're getting ready to watch just awesome action. Uh, Murray State is playing at like n- midnight tonight. And I'm not a fan of that. It's the late game on CBS, and I'm very nervous already. And we're more than 24 hours out. Um, I, I'm really, really curious as to what Murray St- State team comes out because there's Murray State. I knock on wood. The last few Thursday night games Murray State's played, they've come out on fire, but they've also been at home. And Murray State at the CFSB Center is almost unbeatable. So I, I they're they're going to be in Indianapolis uh, against a really good team, and I, I'm just very curious to see how it goes. Uh, and then obviously. Saturday could be a huge day, and you might see us on the the Twitter spaces again if we get the Dylan and Dylan Bowl of Michigan versus Tennessee in Indianapolis. That that could be a lot of fun. I just – I look forward to all of it. Uh, Don't worry, there's going to be a ton of content on Twitter from us because this – the best couple of days of the year, best four days, five days, whatever it is, it's going to be awesome. I'm just so, so excited. March is here. One, I told Dylan before the show, I've been listening to One Shining Moment on repeat for like hours. It's, it's, this is just the best.
0: Yeah. We needed like a little Uzi remix on the one shining moment or something, a little bit of an updated version. All right. That'll do it from us. Here's where you can find us. Uh, you can find the show at Dylan Dylan show at, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram at tunnel vision sports, underscore TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at tv sports, So long, everyone enjoy the madness. And we will see you all next week. See you later.